When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We continue our trip through Michigan's schedule. We're in the thick of the Big Ten schedule, and this week it's the Indiana Hoosiers. They're going to travel up to Ann Arbor November the 6th, and I get a chance to talk to Don Fisher, the play-by-play voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, coming up in a few moments here on In the Trenches. Let's go In the Trenches with John Jansen. The former Wolverines captain and Michigan Sports Hall of Famer will take you inside the locker room with players and coaches. If he is 100%, Indiana will have a chance to achieve more than they've ever achieved at IU since the, ninth, the glory days of the Rose Bowl back in 1967. Once again, here's John Jansen. Welcome back, friends. And as always, I want to make sure you are very aware of what we have going on right now. MGO Blue Podcast is the home of all of your information that you need and you're looking for on Michigan Athletics. Right now, we have Defend the Block that is hosted by Brian Bush, my partner here today. And to this week, he has the reaction to Hunter Dickinson's return, coming back to Ann Arbor for his sophomore season. Newly named women's basketball captain Danielle Rausch will join him, as well as Adrian Nunez, who is Michigan's men's basketball senior guard, and big-time social media influencer, Mr. Bush. What was it like talking to such a a big-time influencer? So I'm not really on TikTok very much, but uh, I I do have plenty of friends who keep saying, you got to check it out, you got to check it out. So I looked up some of Adrian's stuff. He's got, I think, well over a million followers on TikTok, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's entertaining. I, I don't want the time suck of TikTok, but, you know, some people do. And uh, guys like Adrian are, are some of the people who are going to be most benefiting from the new NIL uh, situation. And uh, he, he talked plenty about it and, and how this had been kind of in the back of his mind for a while. 
I uh, I'm not big on TikTok. In fact, I've 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 been on I haven't been on TikTok probably in the last year. What is why why the followers for Adrian Nunez? Is he a, a song and dance? Is it uh, uh, does he just sit there and talk? What what does he do? Yeah, so there's some dances. TikTok allows you to take. They have the rights to a lot of popular songs. And it, it allow, I sound so old right now. Uh, it, it allows you to, you know, put it into your own video. So there's some dances. Adrian uh, really got some notoriety because he did some stuff with Coach Howard with a few players of basically showing a highlight of theirs and then kind of mimicking it or impersonating it. Again, I'm not really on there. I don't know a whole lot, but dude's popular. Like, yeah. he's hey. well-known. Good for him. That's yeah. great. And uh, obviously capitalizing on NIL, there's a lot that we still have to learn in regards to how it's going to affect all sports here in Ann Arbor as well as around the country and how you know different schools are navigating it. Uh, but uh, we did talk about that a little bit last week. So if you want to go back to last week's podcast in the trenches, uh, you'll get that as well. But um Let's hop right into it. Let's go for our seven from 77. Yeah, and, and number one, uh, you mentioned the Hunter Dickinson commentary, and you can get some of my thoughts and hear from Hunter on this week's Defend the Block, but he did mention one of the aspects of his determination to return was being able to have the normal student-athlete experience, and he specifically mentioned being able to go to Michigan football games. So I'm curious in your understanding now, I mean, you're not worried about that when you're a player. You don't know what's going on in, in the 111,000 people. But now that you've seen games, you've seen this from a different perspective, just how do other programs utilize the big house, Michigan football, that brand and experience to help bring in talent? Well, when you're talking about the experience of being on campus at Michigan, whether you're a regular student, whether you're a student athlete, there's always recruiting going on. And you look and you say, okay, well, what are some of the, the great moments throughout a uh, the college experience? One of those is football Saturdays in the fall. The same as Chrysler Arena is in the winter, especially with the success that men's basketball has had and women's basketball for that matter. So all of the departments, all of the different teams use all of the venues to their advantage. And I, I, I know when I was here, they do it now. Football recruits are obviously there because they want to see what it's like to be in the big house. Basketball recruits, recruits from every single sport will be in the big house because it is part of the college experience. When you come here, it's what you're going to do on fall in on Saturdays in the fall. That's just that's it. So they they want to be able to show that off and how special it is, the pomp, the circumstance, everything that goes into um, you know football Saturdays, as well as. You know, when recruits come in for, for Michigan for Michigan football in the winter, a lot of times there's a section at Chrysler Arena where those recruits sit. They get a chance to see the student section. They get to hear the fight song. They get to hear the chants, the cheers, watch the team, get the experience. And then there's other things on campus that they go and experience as well. But all of Michigan athletics will use football. They'll use basketball. They'll use any venue that they can to show the great – you know, the greatness of Michigan, what Michigan is. And it's not just football. It's not just basketball. It's, you know, it's track and field. It's swimming. You know, you go look at the natatorium. You go look at the South Athletic Campus. And what Michigan has as a total, uh, you know, package is very impressive. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, facilities are top-notch. And number two on our 7 from 77, 
the goal was to make it not seem like we were apart for much of the last six months or so, but mm. I'm staring you directly in the <laughs> eyes. High definition as opposed to the standard def uh-huh. zoom 3D. connection. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Uh, we're back. We're in the studio of champions. We're in person. I know you have, you haven't been here a whole lot lately. What's it like to be back? Did, did you feel like you left? Uh, yeah, I mean, I felt like I've been gone for a long time. Uh, and it's, it's great to be able to be back um, on a more frequent basis, to be able to continue to develop the relationships. You know, um, I get a chance to talk to coaches all the time, get a chance to talk to the players individually. But there's that relationship because we couldn't be in the building last year. We had to do everything so remotely that I don't have the, the same relationship with last year's freshman as I do with the rest of the group because I've been here for their college experience. Uh, and it's just, you know, hey, walking down the hall and saying hi and getting a chance to talk for a little bit, you start to build those relationships so that when, you know, when they when I do ask them, hey, come in here, we'd like to have you on the podcast, want to know about this week's game or, you know, where you're from, all those things, they do open up a lot more uh, than I think we were able to see last year simply because they're familiar. Plus, I just like being here. It, this, is, this is my home away from home, and it, it feels great to be back in, in the football facilities. When you're seeing the 97 and the 98 Big Ten championship trophies, you got the pictures from the Rose Bowl. I mean, that helps We got the 69 too. trophy too. Don't forget that one. That oh, one's yeah. in honor of uh, our radio co-hosts, uh, Jim and Dan. So, uh, uh, yeah, this is... Uh, you know, the studio of champions has, has changed locations in Schembechler Hall, uh, but the uh, the artifacts uh, remain the same. Well, very good. We Hopefully this is where we do most of these from now on. Number three, speaking of things that got a little bit of attention around here, uh, the sign, what are you doing to beat Ohio State today? All over the weight room. I, I know it got some play uh, with some media a, a few weeks back. We haven't talked about it a whole lot. Uh, but you notice it when you walk into this weight room. Your thoughts on that? Uh, it needs to be the focus every single day, um, and that is, you know, something you, you you in this time of the year you're going to spend more time in the weight room than in any other part or in really any other building on campus uh, and any other facility. So it needs to be ever present because unless it is, unless you're thinking about it on a daily basis, yeah, it can be in your mind, and the losses sting, and that never goes away. But it needs to be ever present in in what you are setting your goals for, what you're setting your sights on, and how important that game is. Because if you are focused on, and I hate to say this, and I hate to say it here, but right now Ohio State is king of the hill. And if you can play with those guys, and you can compete with those guys, if you can beat those guys then it's going to take care of all of the other competition in the Big Ten as well. Number four, some news coming out late last week with the uh, f- original front end, now the back end of that Michigan-Washington home and home, originally scheduled for last season. Uh, we weren't sure if it'd be canceled or postponed due to the pandemic. We do know now it was postponed September 9th, 2028 in Seattle. So this decade, John, Michigan will go to Norman, to Austin, and to Seattle. A, just your thoughts on renewing this and getting that game in in Washington. I know something that we both are really excited about. Yeah. But secondly, of those three, 
Give me your 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 number one, the one you're most excited for, because all three of those they got some oomph to them. They do, and boy, that one's tough because I I look at them differently than just the game. Like if I'm looking sure. at just the game, I'm gonna say Oklahoma because out of those three teams, and who knows what happens by 2028, but they would be the the top of the heap. Um, then I would probably say you know UT and in, in in Austin there, and then finish with with. Washington and Seattle, what I am expecting is that Tony Castricone rolls off the red carpet. We had him on True. because we open up with them this 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 year and that we get a chance to, you know, stay at his house. You know, he shows <laughs> us around town, maybe go takes to the market. Some, well, yeah, and, and the lake there, he, he had such great things to say about the lake. I would expect uh, a fishing excursion, uh, maybe a tailgate before our, our pregame and, and tailgate show as well. So high expectations for that setting. But when I look at this as well and I think, okay, we're going to get there on Friday, I don't really know anything about Norman, Oklahoma. I gotta believe that there are some good steakhouses um, in the in the, the 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 heart of America there, but I met my wife in Austin, and I know some of the restaurants there, the food trucks. It's a it's a tremendous destination if you like to eat. So I would probably put them at the top of the list in terms of total experience. Okay. If you're picking out games to go to. Then I would go to Seattle. I've been to Seattle a number of times, and everybody talks about how much it rains in Seattle. I played football games in Seattle. I've been there on vacation. Not one time has it rained. Wow. And so I'm, I'm, I don't think it's necessarily a myth, but it hasn't happened to me. But they also have an, an unbelievable restaurant there called the Metropolitan Grill. <laughs> I will go there. They have probably the best horseradish of any steakhouse I've ever been to. So I would rank it in terms of the total experience as Austin number one, Seattle number two, and Norman, Oklahoma number three. I think that's about right. I, I would agree. From the football sense, I'm probably most excited about at Oklahoma. Yeah. I, they're, they're playing the best of the three. Uh, that has always seemed to be a really cool stadium. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, so along those same lines, number five on our seven from 77 – Michigan's schedule just about set through 2025. There is one more non-conference slot that's to be set up. Beyond that, some holes to fill. So thinking 2026 and beyond, with this new college football playoff proposal out there, do you think Michigan and other teams will start to become more aggressive with how they schedule, knowing that, hey, there are some automatic bids and and it isn't so much a race to 11 and 1 anymore at least we don't think it would be well it, it that's going to be interesting i think with only four spots your non-conference if you were able to take if you took a loss in the conference you could look to your non-conference schedule and say look who we played in the non-conference you know we played two power 5 teams or we played this matchup at a neutral site now that it, it it's possible to go to 12 I'm afraid that one of the unintended consequences is that the non-conference schedule will not be as important. Um, and there's there's a lot of different ways that 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 you could spin it. And hopefully, I'm wrong. Maybe the non-conference does continue to become more important. But if yes, if you win your conference and you have an automatic bid, then you know that you don't have to necessarily worry about what happens in the non-conference. If you're not one of those teams, 
why would you risk a loss? Maybe you could put a good showing together, um, run up the score on a lesser opponent, and it just it provides that that talking point for the college football playoff committee to say, well, we we know what we saw, and you can't take that away. We're, they're everybody's human beings, but if there's a tough loss to a good team, how does that look? How does that loss play 12, 13, 14 weeks later? You know, it and until honestly, until we're in the middle of it, we really won't know how it's going to play out. Just like college football playoffs as it is now, until we got three or four years into it, we weren't really sure as to how it was going to play out in terms of how our athletic director is going to schedule, how our conference is going to schedule. What does it mean with the Big Ten having nine conference games? The SEC still holds only has eight. Do is there going to be some type of unification in? nine conference games by all Power Five conferences. Those are questions that we still have yet to be answered. Think back to the first college football playoff with that TCU-Baylor situation. TCU went into the last week, number three, won by 50 or something against a a, a bad team, I forget who, and they fell to six. There was no set set precedent. We were thinking BCS era where, okay, if you're you're there, you're probably going to stay. It's just so unknown. So, yeah, that, that first year... The committee is going to help dictate this of, okay, how do we have to schedule? Yes, they will. And you even go to, I think having automatic bids is important because you look at just in the Big Ten, Ohio State leaps over Penn State. And did they really deserve to do that where Penn State was the Big Ten champion? Now that Big Ten champion will get an automatic bid. You could still get Ohio State in or, or whoever number two, possibly even number three in a conference. Before we continue on our 7 from 77, Michigan's ticket office came out on Wednesday with news about individual game tickets, family four-packs for the 2021 season for that seven-game home schedule this fall at the Big House. Individual games priced differently. It allows fans to select numerous game and seat location combinations. A reminder, there are very few seats available for the Ohio State game in late November. Family four-packs for Western Michigan, for Northern Illinois. That includes four-game tickets, four hot dogs, and four drinks, all going on sale at the same time. So be sure to check out mgoblue.com to learn more, to get your tickets coming up starting on July 13th. So that is five days away from this release coming up for individual and family four-packs for the upcoming season. And John... As of now, in this release, I'm going to directly quote it so we all know, as of Tuesday, June 22nd, the state of Michigan has lifted certain protective measures and restrictions for gatherings and face masks. Based upon this latest order and what we now know, this clears the path for Michigan athletics events to return to full capacity in the fall. Anyone who is fully vaccinated will not need to wear a protective mask inside Michigan Stadium. Masks are encouraged for those individuals who are not fully vaccinated. Should federal, state, local, or campus public health guidelines change, we will update you as soon as that information becomes available. Important information, but the lead, full capacity. That's the plan right now. It's going to be awesome. And obviously we know, and what we've learned over the last 18 months is that everything can be very fluid. Um, There's no guarantees, but I think fans, coaches, players, alums understand what we lost 
in 2020 in terms of opportunity and the privilege that we have. Um, and I, I, I would like to reiterate, you, know, you mentioned that last part there that unvaccinated or vaccinated individuals don't have to wear masks. Those that are, uh, you know, unvaccinated, it's recommended that they wear masks. And I would just, you know, myself like to encourage all of those that have yet to make that decision. It's, it's not a decision that you want me to make for you. I'm not going to give you a recommendation. But what I would recommend is that you talk to your doctor. You take your situation that your doctor will, will understand best. You talk to them about it and make a decision that is best for you. And I think if we all do that, and we all understand the risks involved. We all understand the advantages and disadvantages of both sides. I think we're going to get to a place where we're going to enjoy not just Michigan football, but college football, NFL football around the country in a, in, in a way and appreciate in a way that we have never appreciated before. Yeah, really well said. Totally agree. Uh, number six, pivoting to our preview for this week, Indiana. Uh, Michigan, of course, raided Indiana staff this past offseason with Mike Hart coming back home to Ann Arbor after a really productive stretch in Bloomington. Uh, I know you kept in touch with him during all of that, and, and obviously now here he's back with the Maize and Blue. What did he learn from that time at Indiana? And not just for himself, but also how to build that program because where Indiana was when he got there and, and previous to that even – to where they are now is, is pretty impressive. It, it's very impressive. And they're a program that's still on the rise. And I think that when you have good people in leadership roles, and I know Fred Glass recognized leadership in Tom Allen. He recognized, and, and I say Fred Glass, he the, was their athletic director at the time when Kevin Wilson stepped down. They hired, uh, at that time, defensive coordinator Tom Allen to be the head coach. That you can build a program with quality individuals that truly care about the recruits that they're bringing in, that they graduate, that they make good decisions, that they're getting the right kids on campus. And, you know, one of the things I know Don Fisher is going to bring it up, and I noticed it last year, when you watch, sometimes when you watch Tom Allen and his reaction at the end of the game, it can feel somewhat scripted. It can feel, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in a lot of different ways, something that's not natural. But I can tell you, having known him for a few years, having talked to Mike Hart, having talked to the players that, that were there, he truly wants what's best for his players. He wants what's best for the Indiana program. And in, I know that Mike Hart is looking at what he did there, along with Mike, what Mike Hart already knows about being here and what it means to be a Michigan Wolverine, what it means to play for Michigan football and pairing all of those things. He's a great addition to the staff here again uh, now that he's back at Michigan and bringing that, you know, you, you hear Coach Allen talk about it all the time. You, you'll hear Don Fisher mention it, LEO. Um, and, and that is a, a huge selling point down in Bloomington. And Mike, part of the reason he's such a great recruiter is because he's genuine. He's authentic. That's what Tom Allen is. Um, and uh, all of those things have, have, I think are going to benefit this program now that Mike is back. Yeah. 
love each other. That's a big part of what they do. And it's one thing to say, hey, just build up your football program. It's much, much easier said than done, especially at a place yeah. like Indiana. What they've done has been impressive. Now, as we look to number seven and to the Hoosiers in 2021, uh, they were really close to a full breakthrough. Remember, if if the rules had stayed in place of you had to play six games to qualify for the Big Ten Championship, they would have been in despite their lone regular season loss being to Ohio State. Uh, they lost some players, but they've got some talent coming back. They're recruiting at a high level. Uh, just looking down the road, that matchup in November could be huge for both of these teams and what they're trying to do. What are your impressions now, knowing, hey, everything's butterflies and rainbows, everybody's healthy for the most part, although Michael Penix Jr. is a big storyline. Michael Penix Jr. being healthy will be a big storyline, although they do have, I think, a really good quarterback in Jack Tuttle if if, if he's got yep. to step in. Um, but, you know, this is a team that you look at them last year and they beat Penn State to start the season. And that play at the end of the game – that ended up winning for him it was controversial, and whether you know uh, Michael Penix Jr. was in or not to score is is really indifferent at this point because the results are what they are. But that Indiana team gained a lot of confidence from that, and you could see it throughout the entire course of that football season. They only lost to Ohio State by seven points. They are playing really good football, and they're going into a season with as much confidence as you could probably ever imagine an Indiana football team doing. Now, on the flip side, there is a difference in going into a season as an underdog or going into it as the hunted. And they are going to have to figure out what does that mean, how does it feel, how do we defend this position, how do we play as the favorite in some of these games. It's, it seems like it would be easy, uh, but it's not always that easy. So it'll be interesting to see early on in the schedule what Indiana is able to do, how they're able to you know build on the confidence that they had last year. And quite honestly, what are they going to do in the backfield? Uh, we know about the quarterback, but what are they going to do without Stevie Scott there? Wap Fillier was not the most productive receiver that they had last year, but when you talk to everybody in the Indiana program, he was he brought a certain swagger, a certain attitude. Not having him on the roster this year, yeah, they've got Ty Freifogel at that wide receiver position. They've got Peyton Hendershot. You know, they've got some players, but. Will they, are they going to have the swagger? Are they going to have the confidence? What happens if they're the favorite and then all of a sudden they go into halftime down two touchdowns to anybody? That's going to be where we find out about most about this Indiana program. We're going to learn quickly. They open at Iowa, mm -hmm. then after hosting Idaho. Think back. I don't know when this game was signed, but Indiana hosts Cincinnati week three. And when that game was signed versus now in terms of importance, I don't know if it's possible to have a game grow more in potential intrigue because, I mean, those are two teams that uh, the winner of that game puts themselves in a really solid spot for New Year's Six conversation. And, and who knows if things really get magical, maybe more than that. Well, even for Cincinnati, I mean, you, you, sure. we just talked about, you know, uh, scheduling teams out to 2028, you know, when they rescheduled that Washington game. And you don't know what these teams are going to be in six, seven years. So whenever this game was scheduled, I don't know if it was Luke Fickle even at Cincinnati. Um, we don't know that question. Did they know that they were going to have a program that was going to be competing for a college football playoff spot for them to get a win against a Big Ten team? 
would be a huge feather in their camp. For Indiana to get a win, a non-conference win against a really good Cincinnati team would be huge for them as well. As they, you know, you mentioned they're already going to have started the, the Big Ten season with Iowa, but playing a team like Cincinnati, if they can come out of that preseason with a game against Iowa, Idaho, and then Cincinnati, if they can come out of that preseason or that, that early season 3-0, and look out, this team is only going to gain more confidence. That series was signed in July of 2014. So it's been a while. Yes. Uh, all right. Before we get to Don Fisher, John, there is a bacon, Indiana. It is 62 miles south of Bloomington, smack dab in the Hoosier National Forest. Bacon, Indiana. I've actually been through there. Of course you have. Um, and I, I, my love of bacon has grown since. Um, I probably would have stopped and taken a picture next to that sign. But uh, it, uh, I think everybody should live in, in somewhere near Bacon, USA. I'm surprised. Like you broke down the Norman and Austin and Seattle food scene. I'm surprised we hey, didn't hear about it. Bloomington it, it, it is one of those. I love the Big Ten cities, right? The Big Ten college towns. Piscataway. Piscataway. Not Piscataway. <laughs> that one. I, I'll skip that trip. Um, but the Big Ten college towns are awesome. And they're not just awesome because of football Saturdays in the fall, but you could go to all of the Big Ten schools at, at almost any time of the year, and they're special. There's just something about a great college town, whether it's Madison, Bloomington, Iowa City. You know, obviously, uh, we all know how I feel about Ann Arbor. Um, you know, Columbus again, south to you smell it, east to you step in it, but it's. It, they're just unique. There's something special. So um, it's it's a, it's a great time. But I tell you what, I'm excited for our listeners and for everybody to take a listen to Don Fisher and a program that has been on the rise since Tom Allen arrived in Bloomington. Please enjoy the conversation I had with Indiana play-by-play voice Don Fisher. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. I'm now joined by Don Fisher, who is the play-by-play voice of the Indiana Hoosiers and their football program. Don, thanks for joining us. And uh, how are things this summer in preparation for fall camp? They're pretty good. Obviously, I think everybody is excited about the upcoming season. Uh, Of course, uh, they've had some workouts, seven-on-seven drills and those kinds of things. So everything is going well at this juncture. And of course, the big question mark is Michael Penix, the quarterback, and what his condition will be when they do come back into camp, which will take place in a couple of weeks. So, and I think Michael will be okay by the time the season begins, but I don't think he's been totally cleared yet, 100% for the second ACL surgery. Well, I do want to talk about Michael Penix and his recovery from that surgery, as well as his impact on the team, the program, but a guy that's had a monster impact in Bloomington on the program who got a raise after last football season. That's head coach Tom Allen. 
What is different now going into this season than four years ago when Tom Allen first took the field? Well, the big difference is that Tom has established a culture at Indiana University that is pretty much different than anything it's been in a long, long time. Uh, when he came here as the defensive coordinator under Kevin Wilson, you could just tell there was a, he was a difference maker and his excitement, his enthusiasm about the program, about his side of the football on the defensive side uh, was ener- tremendous energy and without question, it, it, it kind of it, it blossomed into uh, everybody feeling that energy, not just the defensive side of the football, but the offense as well. And then as uh, Kevin Wilson uh, re- uh, left the program uh, at the end of uh, the first year that Tom was there, uh, Fred Glass, who was the athletic director at the time, just said, uh, we've got the guy here already that uh, can take over this program because of what he's been able to establish here in a short period of time as the defensive coordinator. So he has built a culture in Indiana. That the LEO, love each other, mantra has been tremendous. Uh, what you saw last year on television when Indiana was playing football games at the end of those contests and uh, Tom being interviewed and the players coming up behind him and screaming, uh, you've got to come play for this guy. What a tremendous program we've got here in Indiana. I mean, you don't hear that very often from, from any program, much less an Indiana program that has struggled for many, many years. So uh, he has established a program that is just fantastic in the sense of the atmosphere around it. And uh, kids are buying into it all over the country, as you can tell from the recruiting aspect of it. One of the things, uh, as I've had a chance to, to get to know Coach Allen a little bit over the last couple of years, is the relationship that he does build with his players. I know that you're around him, you're around the players. We did witness all of that emotion at the end of some of those games uh, and the response that his players have, but are there any stories that you heard that you could share with us and our listeners about how he builds the relationship, the honesty that he talks to and with about his players? Well, I don't know that there are stories necessarily because he treats everybody the same. I mean, he is a very genuine individual. Uh, he has great energy, great enthusiasm for what he does. He, When he brings players into the program, uh, they immediately know that they're going to be taken care of the, from a family perspective I'm talking about now. I mean, he he, he talks to those parents and lets them know that once that, that player comes into the program, he now has a family at Indiana University in addition to the family that that young man has at home. And that's the way he handles his program. He's just he's one of those people that is so genuine and so energetic that you can just tell that he has done all the right things, put all the right pieces in place. And uh, all the coaches that come on board as well as assistant coaches and so on, these guys believe in it just like he does. And it, it, that energy and that enthusiasm and his personality carry over to just about everybody in this program right now. And that's, again, the, the culture that we talked about here at the beginning of our interview today. It's the most important factor in this program developing and becoming what it has become. 
I know that Coach Allen, when he came in as on the defensive side of the ball and then obviously became the head coach, the expectations he's had for his program, for his players, for the recruits, for for everything that goes on under his purview has always been the same. It's been, you know, a class program. It's, you know, had, you know, championship aspirations. And every year they have improved. And instead of now being the underdog in some of these matchups, they're going to be the favored team. They're a team that's going to have a bigger target on their back this year than they've ever had. How does Coach Allen adjust what he does and how he goes about preparing his team for those added expectations? Well, I mean, he talks to his players about those kinds of things every day, but that's a part of his mantra is get better. And, he, and he's talking about it on a daily basis. You've got to get better every single day you walk out of that playing field. Uh, and, and these guys have bought into it. And again, it's all a part of the culture that he's developed here. There's little question that these guys believe in what he tells them because it's come to fruition. Uh, obviously, the program, as you pointed out, has gotten better each of the years he's been the head coach. They've gone to bowl games in each of the last two seasons. And there's no doubt that each one of these kids that comes in there believes they're building something special. So that's the whole premise of what we're talking about here at Indiana at this point, because Terry Hefner, who was hired back in 2005 to take over a program that had struggled 2004, 2005, 2006 season, but Terry Hefner passed away. And he was kind of a Pied Piper type of coach. Uh, everybody that was around him loved him, thought he was the guy that was going to turn this thing around. And he got it started and then developed brain cancer and obviously passed away a year and a half later and was only able to coach Indiana for two seasons. So it, it started there and then it kind of went south again. It was just not very good for a while. Uh, the struggles that they had recruiting and those kinds of things returned. And, uh, and tell Tom Allen, actually, you could give credit to Kevin Wilson to some degree, that Kevin Wilson, when he came in, he kind of turned things around, uh, made this program a lot tougher, a more physical football program than it had been. And then, then Tom Allen took over, and Allen has just developed this culture that, that uh, everybody wants to buy into. I do want to ask you, because you mentioned um, Kevin Wilson. And offensively, this was a team that was on the rise. You mentioned the physicality, um, the speed that, that that they were recruiting, and then obviously what Tom Allen has been able to do on defense. This year, defensively, they've got nine starters coming back, four up front. How important is it for a defense that played extremely well last year to have that continuity on the defensive side of the ball? When Tom Allen got to Indiana as the defensive coordinator, uh, he, he made a dramatic improvement in this team in the sense of uh, how they had to be more aggressive defensively. Uh, his style of uh, football was more physical. Kevin Wilson kind of started that a little bit, but Kevin was such an offensive guy that it never really transferred to the offense as much as it did, or to the defense as much as it did to the offense. But when Tom Allen got here, the defense immediately improved. They made a difference. And, like I said, his energy level and all of that kind of stuff permeated the whole program, and it, it kind of started to change at that point. But the defensive side of the football has been Indiana's biggest struggle through the years, 
And now, all of a sudden, it's become one of the strengths of this football program. In fact, last year, you could argue that the defense was the difference in this football team. The defense made such a big difference. The aggressiveness with which they played with, uh, how, how much tougher they were, it just has built under Tom's uh, under Tom's reign as the head coach, uh, just like it did under his reign as the defensive coordinator. So there is no question that the defensive side of the football is going to have to help carry this football team this coming season because it's the most. They have 18 part-time and, and full-time starters back on the defensive side of the football, 14 on the offensive side. But there's no question the defense will have to be the key once again if this team is to uh, improve over last season. Well, you've got some of those either full-time or part-time starters, all four up front returning. Um, the de- on the, the, I think the strength of the defense is the linebackers with Micah McFadden, Cam Jones, and now Marcelino McCrary-Ball. Where do you see right. the strength of this defense? Well, I, I do see that. Uh, I think that that – the linebacking core is the strength of this team, but I do think that this defensive line has gotten better. And the most important factor about the defensive line is that they've got more depth there than they've had in many, many moons. There's probably eight or nine different players who saw a lot of playing time last year as starters and guys that came off the bench and played a lot of minutes and saw a lot of plays, a lot of repetition. So they've got most of those guys back this year. Jerome Johnson would be the one defensive lineman that is not going to be back because he, of course, graduated and will be in the NFL. But besides that, the defensive backfield was tremendous last season. And then they lost one of their key guys, Jamar Johnson, who opted for the NFL, which we understand, uh, because when you get better players, you're going to have some guys leave a little bit early. But they've got probably the key guy in the defensive backfield, Taiwan Mullen, and another kid named Jalen Williams. Both of those guys were terrific last year. Reese Taylor has gotten better and better each of the last three years that he's played at Indiana. This defensive backfield is going to be really good as well. So I would say the linebacking core as a group may be the strength of this team right now, but the defensive backfield's right behind them, and the offensive or the defensive line is not that far back either. I think it would be the strength of the football team. And you, you mentioned the guys going to the NFL, and the, when you have better talent, that's going to happen. Taiwan Mullen was an all a first team All American last year, the first time a cornerback at Indiana has been able to accomplish that. When you see moments like that, and a program that is on the rise. How excited does it make you knowing that you've seen so much Indiana football and this is where they are right now? And and I think they're really just scratching the surface. Well, I think that's true. And as you know, the biggest difference in any program and why they get better is the recruiting. And that's a big reason why this program is expected to giant lead this year because the recruiting has just gotten better and better. And, and Kevin Wilson kind of started that, too. I mean, he got some better recruits at Indiana, but they were not getting the same caliber of recruit uh, at the end of his reign as they have since Tom got there. Tom has really done a tremendous job with his ties to the state of Florida with getting some of these kids to come and buy into the Indiana program. And Taiwan Mullen is one of those. Uh, obviously, uh, Michael Penix is another. I mean, he's got tons of kids from the Florida area 
maybe the three-star guy down there, occasionally a four-star out of that uh, neighborhood. Uh, and, and those guys have been developed, and they've gotten better each and every year they've been there. And that's why this program is on the up uh, and, and moving upwards all the time because of the recruiting. That is the story of this program right now is the number of really good football players that they're getting over the years past when they were probably 12th or 13th in the recruiting lanes as far as ratings are concerned when you got a recruiting class in. And now they're either the middle of the pack or in the upper echelon of the pack in regard to recruiting. The the kids they've got coming next year already, uh, I think they've got eight players and they're already ranked like eighth in the conference in recruiting for next season. That's just unheard of in Indiana. Well, one of the guys that you've mentioned a few times, and I do want to talk about him now, is is as we flip over to the offensive side of the ball, we talked to Don Fisher, play-by-play voice for Indiana football, is Michael Penix Jr. If he is healthy and he's 100%, how good can he be? Well, he's gonna, he is a difference maker. If, he, if he's 90%, he's a difference maker. Uh, and at 100%, he's special. Uh, this kid... Came in, a lot of uh, accolades. Everybody thought he was going to be a terrific player. Tennessee, of course, had him verbally. He decommitted from Tennessee when they changed the coaching situation down there. Florida State offered him at that point, but he decided to come to Indiana under Tom Allen. And he knew Tom from his Florida days down there. So Michael Penix comes to IU, and in his first season, he he's just in a, a situation where they put him in the ball game. Uh, they were they were going to redshirt him, and of course, you had four games you could play at that time uh, to see whether or not this guy would be ready, and you wanted to play him more. He could then uh, employ the redshirt, and that's all they really were going to do. And he came in against Penn State. He played terrific in the short time that he was in there, and then he got the ACL injury. And of course, the next year he comes back. He plays six ball games. Uh, he gets hurt, uh, and I think. Well, he got hurt several times. He was only able to play in six ball games. In fact, he only finished three in his sophomore year, or his, well, his actually redshirt freshman year, uh, and and he only finished three of those six games that he actually played in. But then he came back the next year and he played terrific. Obviously, uh, what he did last season was phenomenal, especially at the beginning of the year. play against Penn State to win that first game of the year mm-hmm. and upset one of the powerhouses in the Big Ten. And ever since that time, of course, he didn't have a great game that day, but you could just tell that this guy was on it. He's got a phenomenal release. He's got great vision. He's really football smart. He's a kid that understands the game, and he has a terrific ability to find receivers uh, and know exactly where they're going to be. He's got great rapport with his teammates, and he's a great teammate, and he's a great captain. He was a captain last year. And he'll be again this season. If he is 100%, Indiana will have a chance to achieve more than they've ever achieved at IU since the, ninth, the glory days of the Rose Bowl back in 1967. Well, if if he is, is dinged up at all, um, we obviously know Jack Tuttle is back there. What can you tell us about the depth that Tom Allen has been able to assemble at the quarterback position? Well, that's been hit a little bit because uh, one of the quarterbacks that they had, Dexter Williams, uh, went down with a knee. He was a freshman last year. He would have come into the Wisconsin game had Tuttle not 
come back out of the field after being dinged at the Wisconsin contest. Um, and Tuttle, of course, is, is terrific. I mean, he's a really good player, a really good quarterback. He was saddled last year after he did get hurt. Uh, and, of course, in the bowl game, he had a separated shoulder. I mean, and, and people didn't even know it. He, he, he had separated his shoulder early on in that contest. And Indiana was playing a game of which we had not been familiar because they were throwing sideline passes almost exclusively. And the one time he did go downfield after he was hurt, he threw an interception. So he just was, he was really, you know, hamstruck in the sense that he could not uh, really show his arm and, his, and the strength of his arm because he does have a terrific arm. And, and he's a very highly regarded quarterback coming to Indiana out of Utah as a transfer. Uh, and, and, Without question, he's tougher than nails, but he's not quite in the same class as Michael Pettix. And if Pettix is healthy, he'll play most of the time. If he's not healthy, Jack Tuttle is a, a very uh, strong candidate to be the guy, next guy in. And they've got a freshman, Lawrence North High School in Indianapolis, who has a chance to be very good at some point, too, which will be a third guy. But again, Dexter Williams, the kid that was slated to be the third string quarterback last year, had a knee injury and went down with it, and he will not be available for this season. So they they are, they they've got one and two in pretty good shape if if Michael Pettix can play, but if they get down and Jack Tuttle gets hurt, then I think they've got a problem with the true freshman being the next guy up. No Watt failure um, and no Stevie Scott. Where and, and I know that Ty Freifogel was the leading receiver in regards to number of yards, not necessarily number of receptions. Where does this offense go for production for those deep threats as well as to establish the run game? Well, with five Fogel back, of course, that establishes your deep guy because he is one of the best receivers in traffic downfield we've had in Indiana, and we've had a few of those guys over the last few years, but this guy is special in that regard. But they got a kid named D.J. Matthews who transfers in from Florida State. He is one of eight Division One transfers that came to Indiana through the portal this year, which is astounding in itself to have eight and six of those guys of the transfer portal that came in out of the transfer portal are high Division One programs they came from. All are highly recruited guys that were that for whatever reason decided to make a change on the uh, running back side of things. Samson James, who's just been biding his time because he was playing behind Stevie Scott for the last couple of years as a kid out of Avon, Indiana, who is a really talented running back. He's very strong. He's faster than what Stevie Scott was, and he rocks it up inside. The big question on him has been how consistent can he be? And then there's a kid named Baldwin who's also a very fine running back who we saw some things last year when he got brief amounts of playing time. And he was very good when he was in there. He did a terrific job. He's a guy that's got some quickness to him and some real shake inside. And one of those guys that seems to be able to find positive yards out of just about every time he touches the football. So I don't think the running back spot uh, is in, in all, at all a question uh, unless uh, Samson James just doesn't show what we think he's able to show. And obviously you can't talk about 
um, you know, the running game or the passing game without that offensive line. And uh, Peyton Hendershot, obviously the, the tight end, one of the best in the Big Ten, uh, obviously coming back as a part of that offensive line. But you're going to have to protect Michael Penix. I know part of his game is being mobile and extending plays. But what are you seeing from this offensive line and the tight end position? Well, Peyton Hendershot is special, as you pointed out. He is a really good tight end. There's a kid named Matt Bjorsen who's probably his backup. Well, Peyton Hendershot, of course, has had a couple of really good seasons. I don't think last year was as good as the year before, but he still was a solid performer for Indiana. And there's no question he is highly talented. He's got a chance to be a special player this season, and I'm sure he is one to show that uh, as, as he gets ready to go to the NFL because they do believe that he is very much in that category of that type of player very capable NFL Behind him, a kid named Matt Bjorsen is the backup, and Matt Bjorsen is just one of those journeyman-type guys. He's really smart, really plays the game well, at, uh, both as a receiver and as a blocker. Just doesn't have the spectacular athletic skills that a Hendershot has. And then the, the other receiver at tight end that's uh, really highly talented is a kid named A.J. Barner who played some last year as a freshman, uh, didn't have enough playing time probably to commit to being a sophomore, so he will be a redshirt freshman this year. But they are really high on A.J. Barner. He is a very talented young man. He's got the the skill set, the size, and the athleticism to be special at some point in time, and they expect him to make contributions this upcoming season. The offensive line is the big question mark. They've got four of the five starters back from last year, They've developed some depth, it looks like. They've got some young guys that have come in that they think might be factors. If somebody gets hurt, that they will not be hurting like they have in the past when one guy would go down, and then they were scurrying to find somebody to replace him. It's no longer quite that problem for Indiana. But how good the offensive line is, in my opinion, will be the question as to whether this is the football team that will make the biggest change in Indiana football in a long, long time, because I think the offensive line has been the weak side of the football for Indiana for for many years now. And and there were a few years under Kevin Wilson when it was really good, and uh, and it hasn't been quite to that level since. My feeling is that Tom Allen believes that he's finally got enough experience up there and some depth behind it for the offensive line to be a solid performer for this football program. If it is, and this team could take another big, big step this season. Well, we're excited. Uh, the beginning of November, uh, a big matchup between Michigan and Indiana. I believe it's November 6th. I can't wait to uh, to see this Indiana team take the field. A lot of excitement around Tom Allen. His program it continues to be on the rise. Uh, obviously, Michael Penix Jr. in this defense. Everything about Indiana right now, uh, you've got to be very positive about. Don, I really appreciate your time and your patience. Uh, I know you're a busy man, but uh, I look forward to seeing you in November. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, John. Well, I want to thank Don Fisher. He has been doing this for 49 years. If there's anybody that knows more about Indiana football, I- I'm not sure who that would be. Great to have them on the podcast today. Look forward to seeing them in person when they get a chance to travel up to Ann Arbor, November the 6th. Great matchup between the Hoosiers and the Wolverines. 
If you missed any part, please rewind. Make sure you you get a chance to listen to everything that uh, Mr. Fisher had to say or Brian and I had to say earlier. If you missed Defend the Block this week, he had uh, Hunter, the reaction to Hunter Dickinson's return to Ann Arbor for his sophomore season. Newly named women's basketball captain Danielle Rausch joined him, as well as men's basketball senior guard. And oh, by the way, social media influencer on TikTok, Adrian Nunez. Uh, great conversation there. And if you've missed any part of the schedule up to this point, make sure you go back and listen because the season is right around the corner. I couldn't be any more excited. We'll continue our trip through the Big Ten schedule as it continues throughout the summer here on In the Trenches. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of In the Trenches with John Jansen, part of our Michigan Athletics Podcast Network. M Go Blue Podcasts. The preceding is a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Michigan Sports Network.